Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Happy Friday. Happy TGIF. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, I had an amazing interview on the show today. Yeah, I heard that. Josanne Dubow. Mm -hmm. She's a registered nurse in Vancouver. You just We just heard her on the news, too. And she's speaking out against her own union after mm -hmm. the BCNU said they were opposed to mandatory vaccination for, for nurses. And that takes a lot of guts, by the way. It does to speak out against your own union. Mm -hmm. But I thought she was really courageous, and, and I thought she was great. Uh, and I'm getting a lot of emails and response from the listeners who agree yeah, with her. What I, do you think I, of that? I think, yeah, good for her. I think the union's um, public position is kind of, you know, paper thin. Uh, I don't think you're going to see the union do anything. It was a news release. They haven't given any interviews in terms of the executive. You've been trying to get the president on or the, the acting person on with it they've given one interview since uh, the the announcement was made uh i don't see them going to court i don't see them they can't go to the lrb this is not an employer issue this is a public health order so it's uh the fact is you know the vast majority probably 95 percent or more of nurses are already vaccinated so it's kind of a moot point yeah, I mean, I've asked for a representative of the BC Nurses Union to come on the show, and I would just repeat that invitation. I'd be happy to have someone on if they want to come on on Monday. That would be that would be great. But I wonder if they're feeling a little maybe we shouldn't have said what we the way that we phrase this at, at the mm. very least. Like you had like the vice president of the BC Nurses Union on with Jill Bennett this week saying that you know, this is a human right to make your own choice about what goes in your own body, and some of the nurses don't don't trust the science of the vaccine, in which I was like, you know, I mean, you're just giving energy to the anti-vaxxers, which well, is which is something that jo Josanne Dubow, the, the registered nurse I had on this morning, she made the same point. There's no evidence that nurses feel that way in terms of doubting the yes, science. I'm sure some of them do. Well, but I mean, is the, is maybe the union... I, I would, I'd like to hear from one nurse who says that, you know, uh, well, go public. You know, if you if you're gonna doubt the science, I'm not sure why you'd be in that profession if you're gonna doubt science. But nevertheless, well, I would say that like nursing profession is reflective of a broad cross section of society, and you know there may be a, there may be a small percentage. I think they're more like. knowledgeable because they are in healthcare. So okay. I really doubt there'd be very very many very many nurses that fall in that category, which is why I think you're seeing uh, nurses like your guest speaking out. Okay, and the point the point you made, I think, is a crucial one, and that is that it's one thing to put out a news release. It's one thing to do do a one-media interview saying you don't like mandatory vaccination, but what are you going to do about it? You're exactly. going to go to court? You're going to fight it and, under the con no, union I, contract? It's interesting. They, as I said before, that unions had a very interesting uh, controversial history. They've gone through three or four very divisive leadership battles over the years where you've got uh, leaders taken out by factions. Uh, you've got... Um, the internal politics of that union is, is fascinating. They, they've been banned from the BC Federation of Labor, the Canadian Labor Congress, because they rated HEU members for uh, LPN positions. They're not well liked by other unions, so it's uh, it's interesting that they've taken this position. But I, I think your point is is a good one. I don't think it goes any further than a news release. Okay, we'll see what happens there. Let's talk about uh, the situation next door in Alberta, oh, where they got man. a lot of COVID cases and, and Saskatchewan and Saskatchewan too. And it was interesting to see Alberta saying, like, "Please help us." Uh, we, you know, take take some of our hospital patients. Let me play this here for you, Keith, and then get your thoughts. Dr. Verna Yu, Alberta Health Services CEO, uh, pleading for help here with their ICU beds getting filled up. Have, filled up. have a listen. We will be reaching out to other provinces to see if they have any available ICU space where Albertans could get the care that they need. Okay, what's going on in BC? Are oh, we going to take man. their patients? This is a horrible situation. Uh, Alberta is now sinking into the 
levels of despair that is uh, you see a lot of American states in, where ICU uh, are about to be overwhelmed. Uh, they need ventilators. They need more beds. So Alberta, as of yesterday, 18,000, more than 18,000 active cases, 877 people in hospital, 218 of those were in ICU. They've only got a little more than 300 ICU beds. So you can see the ICUs are starting to pile up. They're going to be overwhelmed in ICU beds. So that's why they're looking for other house uh, promises to uh, basically have airlift some of their ICU patients into other provinces. Ontario said, okay, we've got some room. BC has said, no, we don't have any room. So we've got 510 ICU beds in BC, plus about 215 uh, surge beds, which are brought in on an emergency basis. Of the 510 beds, we've got 444 people already in ICU. Keep in mind, COVID is a a percentage of ICU beds. People are in ICU for all sorts of reasons. Post-op surgery, you've got to go into ICU on certain surgeries. Uh, Horrible accidents, you've got to go into ICUs. And you try to keep some ICU beds empty in the event of emergencies that can overwhelm you right. very quickly. If there's a bad car wreck uh, with six people, they all need to go in ICU. You've got to have those beds ready. And, again, we don't have a lot of beds in, in some of the remote, remote regions of the province. So BC has said, no, we don't have any room. But it's not necessarily a bed situation. It's a human resources situation. I had a long talk with health officials yesterday who tell me, We've got beds. We don't have the staff. We don't have critical care nurses. When you go to ICU, it's not like you're in a giant ward. You're in a small unit. You have dedicated critical care nurses there who look after one or two patients, and that's it. It's a 24-7 operation, and we don't have the staff to right now even uh, – well, we've got the staff to, to um, care for the people in the ICU right now, but just a slight uptick of I- ICU – puts a real stress on the system. And w- right now, the number of unvaccinated people going into hospital is, starting, is increasing. Uh, with uh, unvaccinated from COVID-19, we've got 117 people in hosp- in ICU right now uh, in who are unvaccinated. And that's a very troubling statistic. Okay, they're in a lot of trouble in Alberta. And that's why Jason Kenney this week declared a public state of em- health care state of emergency in Alberta. And he apologized for botching the pandemic what management. Let me play a, a clip here for Kenny. And you'll hear him talk here a little bit about Uh, the situation with the ICU beds here. Have a listen. Jason Kenney. Two weeks ago, we presented modeling on the direction of this wave. The high-end scenario of that model projected over 300 intensive care admissions by the end of this month. But recent trends show that we are exceeding that high-end projection and that we may run out of staffed intensive care beds within the next 10 days. So that's why they're asking and pleading with other provinces Mm -hmm. for help. And for British Columbia to say no, is that like a, a tough call for a guy like Dix or whatever? I mean, if they look at another province and say, well, we think that you've bungled your management, your COVID, so therefore we're not going to help you. No, I'm sure that's not the test of whether no, they say yes. Because we should help if we can. If we can. And yeah. so I, was, I mean, these are Canadians. I mean, we need to help each other. I was given a briefing yesterday by health officials who just walked me through all the numbers of why we can't take right now anymore because our hospital admissions are going up. Our ICU admissions are going up. We were... Uh, one uh, admission a week about six weeks ago. We're now at 82 um, admissions a week. And again, when you start looking at that on a on a health authority basis, the northern health situation is perilous. There's not a lot of ICU beds up north, and there's not a lot of ICU staff up north. But there, that's where the cases are. The tra- trajectory of uh, increases is quite stark. Closest to Alberta. 
and it's right, right next to Alberta yeah, right. and, and the Peace River area where you've got low vaccination rates. There's, yeah. It's not a coincidence that Dawson Creek, Fort St. John, and the Peace, and parts of Prince George have low vaccination rates. And what do you know? They've got the highest uh, number of cases in terms of a percentage increase every single day. Okay, we continue to follow that closely. All right, election day is Monday, mm. and it's been a weird election. It is. Uh, it's close. Uh, I think that's for sure. Who knows? It looks like, I don't know, we might end up with a, just a do-over, another minority government on Monday. Well, it's going to be interesting. I mean, um, the polls are starting to show. Abacus has got a poll out today that's got a, some breathing room between the Liberals and the Conservatives, but not to the point of suggesting a majority. So if Trudeau comes in with, a, again, no, no majority, he has the right to form the first crack at forming government. But right. the other parties can get together if they want and try to form government themselves. If you know, if Aaron O'Toole can attract Jugmeet Singh or something, uh, who, and Blanchette, maybe they can form their own little uh, arrangement here. Um, but again, it looks like right now, I'd be surprised if Trudeau doesn't come in with uh, the most seats, but perhaps not the majority. Yeah, I mean, we had a similar situation in British Columbia, right, where Christy Clark uh, won that minor minority, mm -hmm. uh, tried to govern, couldn't. Yep. And then we saw effectively a coalition between the NDP and the Green Party to take her down and form a government. So you know, it, it, it couldn't happen. The ball may be in Jugmeet, uh, Jugmeet Singh's court. I mean, does he yeah. do a deal with uh, with the proverbial devil, the Conservatives? I don't oh, think he would. He's the kingmaker. I don't think he would, but uh, you never know. Yeah, he was asked that. I mean, would you ever consider a coalition government with uh, mm -hmm. Aaron, o Aaron O'Toole and... You know he's keeping his options open. He's, this is a poker game. You yeah, know you don't yeah. show your cards exactly. You know yeah. he's uh, he's not showing his hand. Yeah, yeah. Now here's Jugmeet Singh. This is an interesting answer here. Now he's he's asked about the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Okay, now would he commit to canceling the Trans Mountain Pipeline if he had any sway over the future government? As he ends up the kingmaker, the balance of power in a minority parliament. Listen to what Jugmeet Singh had to say here about the Trans Mountain Pipeline. We'd have to take a look and see see what, what the situation is to make the best decision. But I know what I would do with our public resources. I would invest in renewable energy in the electrification of transport. I would end the fossil fuel subsidies so that we can invest more money into fighting the climate crisis. Okay, so I thought that was interesting that he didn't want to say, I demand that we shut down this pipeline, maybe because he's thinking he might have to play ball with Trudeau after this well, election. Well, if, he, if he's in a position of uh, propping up a government uh, or in, in the position of the, any party needing his support, he's going to take it issue by issue. And, it, you know, he's got other issues on his plate as well. I mean, he's got the affordability issue, housing, all sorts of things. Uh, that he wants to see done. So he's going to exact a price from whoever uh, is potentially forming a minority. All right, Baldry's beat. Phone lines are open. Lots of calls. Mark and Delta, hi. Mike and Keith, this is for Keith. Um, quick question. I'm to attend a uh, 50th birthday party for someone tomorrow. Uh, assuming all the people attending have been doubly vaccinated, uh, how safe is that? I don't know what the weather is going to be like. It's going to be at a house, outside, inside, maybe 20, 30, 40 people. Uh, yeah, well, if you're all doubly vaccinated, um, double dose, you should be fine. Keep in mind, though, that it's, it's not 100% uh, effectiveness. There are people in hospital. For example, uh, as of the first two weeks of September, I did a story last night, 390 cases. This was released by the Ministry of Health yesterday. 390 hospitalizations. 85% of those people in hospital for the first two weeks of September were uh, not a single dose of vaccine. Right. 9% were um, one dose. Single, yeah. 
I think 13%, though, were double dose. Those are older people. And, Mark, you sound kind of young, younger. So I think if it's a 50th birthday party, should be fine. But if you're t- attending an 80-year-old's birthday party, <laughs> the risk is higher yeah. because older people uh, run a, a greater risk, even if they're double dose, because of other underlying health conditions. But hey. if you've got 20 people at a 50-year-old's birthday party, indoors and outdoors, you should be fine. Hey, Mark, are you still there? I'm still here. Yeah. Is, is the host of the party, have they told you they're going to be checking for your vaccination card? Uh I'm sure I'm going to call her and I'm I'm, I'm going to make sure she does. So and I think um, you're supposed to, right? I, I think so. Yeah. She uh, she's a medical professional, so yes, uh, I'm sure she will be. Sounds like you're you're checking off all the boxes. Okay, thank Mark. Thanks for the call, Peter in Kelowna. Hi. Hey guys, um, you know you're talking about this point about some people or nurses not trusting the science. I wonder. I've got several unvaccinated friends in my age bracket, 50, 55 years old. The science that they're doubting is specific to the mRNA Pfizer Moderna vaccines because it's the new technology. Some have said they would take Johnson and Johnson or even AstraZeneca because they, you know, they know those types of vaccines is what they grew up with. Uh, you know, where a bit of the virus is put into spike your immune system. Health Canada approved Johnson & Johnson. Keith, any idea on why that was never rolled yeah. out? In great, qu- great question. It is a real mystery why Johnson & Johnson just hasn't materialized uh, in Canada and in large uh, spots of the United States as well. It's, it is a mystery. In terms of doubting the mRNA uh, vaccine, though, this is not something that just popped up in the last couple of years. They've been working on this for years. It's yeah. it's like many years to develop these vaccines. People say, oh, I've read on the internet, oh, it's a new technology. It's not. It's really grounded in science. It goes back years, and it's very effective. Do not doubt the science of these vaccines. Uh, they, And again, people in their 50s, 60s who are saying, I'm not going to get a I'm not sure about the science. You're, you're playing Russian roulette with your well, body. Uh, especially, and that's why I thought it was so weird to hear the BC Nurses Union saying, well, some nurses don't trust the science, so they don't want to take it. You know, you think about how many hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of lives have been saved by these vaccines. I mean, I saw one study in the United States. I think they figure maybe 300,000 lives or more in the United States alone have been saved by these vaccines. You know, and I get some the nurses union saying, well, you know, we don't trust. It's it's interesting how many right-wing radio show columnists and such in the United States who are leading the anti-vaccine movement saying they doubt the science have now died. Well, yeah. yeah. It's from COVID-19. Let's and go to... Okay, let's go to Earl in North Van. Hi, Earl. Oh, hi, Michael. How are you doing? Good, go I ahead. Just, I just wanted to tell you that, you know, there is absolutely no reason to call an election. Uh, the guy you can't believe, the we scandal, the SNL, uh, and to put things straight, he wouldn't even come on your show. So no. <laughs> that has to tell you something. And you should have made a bigger case of it because the guy is just, uh, the, the, the guy just is Trudeau. And why we're voting for him, I don't know. You're either well, in his back pocket or you're, you're dumb. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have any luck getting Trudeau on the show. He went on the Jazz Joe Hall he show. He was on Jazz's show. So, yeah. You know, he, he, he was on Joe CKNW, but. You know, yeah, and he, he was on Global. Uh, yeah. Nidu Garsha had a very yeah, memorable. Yeah, she, she carved him up. Right, <laughs> that was something else out there. Yeah, good she, for her. She's like the assassin in these interviews. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, they, these these guys, these politicians, going to an interview with her, are thinking like, oh, this is this will be easy, and then and they no. get then they get carved to pieces. No, 